chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Listen now for God's word to you. Jesus began to teach beside the lake again. Such a large crowd gathered that he climbed into a boat there on the lake. He sat in the boat while the whole crowd was nearby on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. While teaching them, he said, listen to this. A farmer went out to scatter seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted up immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny places. The thorny plants grew and, and choked the seeds, and they produced nothing. Other seed fell into good soil and bore good fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced in one case a yield of 30 to 1, in another case a yield of 60 to 1, and in another case a yield of 100 to 1. He said, whoever has ears to listen should pay attention. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I haven't even started my sermon yet, and I'm already cotton-mouthed. So when Heather and I moved to Missouri, we had a a series of firsts in our life. Uh, This was the the first uh, call that I took, the first church that I had out of seminary. This is where I was ordained. Uh, We became parents for the first time in Missouri. That's where Axel was born. And after years of apartment dwelling, we became homeowners for the first time when we moved to Missouri. We went through that wonderful, stress-free process of applying for a mortgage and buying a house. Um, and first homes, I think, are always special to us. No matter the condition of the first house that we bought, they, they bear a special place in our hearts because it was the first place that we owned. And, and for Heather and I, we were lucky enough, we were fortunate enough that the first house that we purchased was in a relatively new subdivision, and it was a brand new construction. And so we got to pick out all of the finishes. We got to design it kind of to how we wanted it to look, and it was really special for that reason. But of course, with all new constructions, there comes a brand new yard, brand new lawn. And let me say this as nicely as I can. They do it as cost efficiently as possible. Um, That first lawn, that first yard I had was the bane of my existence for almost two years. So I don't know who planted it or who put the grass seed down, but some grass grew up in some places and in other places it didn't. There were weeds all over the place. There were rocks in the ground and and the, I remember the first time I went out to cut it, how uneven the ground was. They hadn't leveled the ground. It was like I was off-roading with my lawnmower. Um, and there were literal sinkholes. I'm not exaggerating about this. There were like sinkholes in our, in our yard. And um, I'm not a person who has a green thumb. I don't enjoy yard work and gardening and all that stuff. And so I, I figured I need to call somebody to come out and to, to help me with this project. And so uh, I called like half a dozen lawn care companies, maybe more, and every time they would come out, they would say, they'd give me some rendition, some variation of, oh, well, we're busy right now. We'll call you in a couple weeks, and we'll come out, and we'll fix your yard for you. And I waited a couple weeks, and I'd call them, and suddenly they would stop taking my calls. And uh, I started to wonder if I was blacklisted from all the lawn care companies in Kirksville, Missouri. Uh, but in retrospect, I think looking back, they, they looked at my yard, and they said, that is way too big of a mess, and we're not going to deal with that. And Um, So finally, I decided after calling all of these companies and getting no response that I was going to try and fix this myself. Um, I was on paternity leave after Axel had been born. My parents were in town. 
I said, this is a great opportunity for a father-son DIY project. He made me do all of those when I was growing up. It's time to return the favor. And, um, and so I went and I bought a, a big 40-pound bag of grass seed, and not just any grass seed, but one with soil improver and fertilizer in it. And I did absolutely no prep work. I didn't till up the soil, didn't remove any of the weeds. I just dumped that big bag of grass seed into my spreader and started flinging seed all over my yard into the rocks and the weeds. Some of it ended up on the sidewalk. I said, this is great. This is perfect. I'm going to finally have a lawn. Um, But of course, nothing grew. Uh, In fact, that yard got even worse. After that, I don't think there was any grass left anywhere in my yard. It was just a, a variety of species of weeds just everywhere across this yard. Um, we had the worst yard in the neighborhood, and all of the neighbors knew it. Um, I remember we were walking our dog one day, and there was this group of kids that liked to play at the end of the block, and they liked to, to pet our dog. And they said, what house do you live in? And I, and I told her what house we lived in. She goes, oh, that's the house with the terrible yard, isn't it? And <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, And so finally, after all of this, I decided I'm going to give it one more shot. I'm going to try and call somebody who can come out here and do this. And finally, I got a hold of the right company, the right people to come out. And they came out. They they cut all the weeds all the way down, sprayed weed killer everywhere so everything that was there died. And uh, they brought out their big farm equipment and tilled up the soil so that way they could plant everything right. And you know what? Grass actually grew this time because there were people who knew what they were doing, Uh, and it all helped me when I, re- when I sold that house. So I feel a lot like the farmer that Jesus describes in this parable this morning. This farmer who does no prep work, but seemingly decides one day to grab a bag of seed and to start flinging it wildly everywhere he goes. I don't know how much grass seed or how much seed costs in those days, but I know how much it costs me. There's a, an amount of, of wastefulness that this farmer demonstrates in this parable. He just starts flinging seed along the path, and it falls on the path, and the the birds come and scoop it up and and take it away, and some of the seed falls on the rocks, and that seed grows quickly, but there's no depth of soil, and so the sun scorches it, and some of it falls among the thorns, and that too grows quickly, but the thorns choke it out, and but some of that seed falls among good soil, and it produces a harvest 130 times uh, what the seeds were planted. This farmer who sows seed wastefully into the world. And um, this is one of the most familiar parables that Jesus tells. We think about the stories that Jesus told us. This is one that that quickly comes to mind. The parable of the sower. Pastor Gretchen said parable of the sower. I bet a lot of you knew what she was talking about. But with familiar stories come these familiar interpretations, these standard interpretations. And the ways that we have interpreted this parable throughout the history of Christianity is we focus on the different types of soil, and that, that those soils are categories of the four different kinds of people that exist in the world, that there are path people, there are rocky people, there are thorny people, and then there are good soil people. And what we in the church have done is we have easily identified ourselves as the good soil people, that we're the ones who have received the word of God and it's grown into a bountiful harvest within us. There's us, the righteous few, and then there's everybody else, right? Uh, But my problem with that interpretation, and I hope all of you have a problem with that interpretation, is that I can look at my own life, my own heart, and my own soul, 
And I can see places where I am not always like the good soil. I can see places that are, ro- that are like the worn down path. Those grudges of the past that, I, that I've held on to. That when the word of God, a word of love and grace comes to me, there's nowhere for it to go. That as I examine my own heart and my own soul, I can see places in my own life where I am like the rocks, where I am excited about what God, I, what I believe God is calling me to do, and yet there's no depth, so there's nowhere for that, that word to take root. I can see in my own places, places in my own heart and my own soul that, that there are times where I am like the thorny soil, that the word of God comes to me, and I know what I'm supposed to do, but my own fears, my own maintaining of my sense of privilege can keep me from doing what God has called to do, what that word planted in me is supposed to do. And so it seems to me that Jesus is not speaking of a a bifurcated reality where there's us and them, where there's us, the righteous few, and everybody else, but he's speaking about the immense complexities of our daily lives, that there are so many situations in our world, in our lives, where we are like the thorns or the rocks or the path the hurts and the wounds of the past make us like that worn-down path where that word of love finds a, has a hard time taking root. The stresses and anxieties of daily life can make it hard for the word of God, that word of love, that word of grace, to take root in our own hearts and in our own lives. That Jesus is speaking about those sorts of complexities. That's not four different kinds of people, but it speaks to the realities that, that all of us face from time to time. It speaks to the realities that all of us face from time to time. And so, what strikes me about this parable then is that there's a, a sower, a farmer, who risks sowing seed even into those rocky and worn down and difficult places. A sower who doesn't take the time to till up the soil but, but sows those words of love and grace even into the rocky and thorny places in our lives and in our world. A gracious and extravagant sower who is in some ways wasteful, but love is never wasted. Uh, There is this somewhat uh, classic commentary now uh, called the Gospel in Solentiname, and it's a commentary not in the traditional sense where you have a scholar sitting up in uh, some ivory tower writing down his or her impressions of the Gospel down, but it's a it's the transcribed conversations between the priest Ernesto Cardinal and the peasants of the uh, Solentiname Archipelago in Nicaragua. And so every Sunday what they would do, instead of having the sermon, they would have these recorded conversations. So the, the priest would ask them questions and these peasants would give their impressions on the, the gospel readings. Uh, and so he says in the, introductory, in the introduction to his commentary that their insights are more profound than any of the insights offered by theologians and Bible scholars. So these are are peasants who are living underneath a dictatorship at the height of the Cold War, commenting on gospel passages. It's almost hard for us to imagine a group that's closer to the sort of people who would have heard Jesus' parables. And so along with these transcribed conversations, you also have this original artwork that they created. And this is the artwork for... um, the parable of the sower. Sandy, if you want to bring that up for me. I hope the technology is working. Um, so this is the artwork that they created for the parable of the sower. And I, I was first made aware of this painting by uh, a man named Brian Blunt. He's the president of Union Presbyterian Seminary in Virginia. 
He wrote about this in one of his books. And he says, there's three things that he notices about this painting. Uh, The first is that the sower is sowing seed into a world that is already filled with all sorts of different kinds of vegetation. There is already a lot of stuff in this world. He's not sowing into a barren field even. You can see that there are things growing in that field where he's sowing seed. He also says that everything in this world is neatly ordered and everything is in its place. And so then third, he says that this sower is sort of unnecessary in this artist's imagination, that he is not much, he's not so much a farmer or a sower as he is an invader, a, a covert agent sowing seeds into a garden that is already there. And this, Jesus says, is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a sower who sows seed, even among the rocks and the thorns and the weedy places in our lives. A sower who risks it all, a sower who sows seed into those places, because perhaps it might be that that seed will find a crack in the sidewalk along the path, and its roots will take hold, and those roots will start to, to turn up those hard places in our lives. Perhaps it might be that the the seed of love and grace that is sown in in places of thorns and rocks, perhaps it might be that they will indeed take hold and that word will come to us. That word will will grow, that word of love, that word of grace, that word of compassion will, will grow within us. What is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is like like God sowing those seeds of love and grace in places in my own life and in our own lives, perhaps where shame has created a beaten down path, a place where someone has told us that we are something other than loved and the beloved children of God, and that seed is sown along that pathway. What is the kingdom of God like? It is, it is seed that is sown among the rocks and the thorns of our daily anxieties and stress and, and pressure, the, the ways that we have, are not always ready to receive that word. It is that word coming to us and us hearing it and receiving it and it growing despite the odds, despite the obstacles that are there. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like all of us becoming little covert agents who sow seeds of love and grace and justice into a world where there already is a status quo, where everything is already planted where it's supposed to be. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like all of us sowing seeds of justice, a church who takes time out of its life to to write to legislators about cash bail or about the climate crisis, to, to work for a better world, to work for the world as it could and should be. It's about us as we sow those seeds, as we are those little covert agents. It's about a new sort of garden bursting forth. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like a word of love and grace that comes to us even in those rocky and thorny and worn down places in our own hearts and in our own lives. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like all of us becoming little covert agents of love and grace and justice in this world. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like a a new garden bursting forth with with what's already there the world as it could and should be. Thanks be to God. Amen.